1: I'm Liam Meklum, KCBS foodie chap at Theorita on Divisadero in San Francisco. Not one chef, but two. Chef Angela Pinkerton, Chef David
2: Neyfeld. Good to see you. How are you? Uh, I'm excellent. Thank you very much for asking.
1: Good to see you, Angela.
0: Great to see you again.
1: Yeah, I still have a full happy tummy from my meal here at Theorita on Divisadero just last week. Uh, How would you describe Theorita? You've got Fico upstairs. So is this the little tasty sister? That sounded wrong, didn't it? That sound that sounded terrible, didn't it? What what who is I was it wasn't
0: named after my grandmother, I'd be okay with that, but
1: um, oh, sorry, grandma. <laughs> She's all
2: so right. She actually she is. I know. came to the opening. She came to the opening.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah it was
2: amazing. So was tell us
1: surprise. about Theorita. Who is Theorita?
0: Theorita is my uh, maternal grandmother. She's an amazing woman um, who's taking care of everyone else her entire life and I thought she deserved a little appreciation and to be in the spotlight
1: So she's the matriarch
0: The matriarch of, uh, of uh, my childhood and she uh, I grew up watching her make pies yeah. um, be- just because she lived on an orchard it's not like she she says she didn't like to bake but I think she secretly did mm-hmm. um, and I kind of feel like that was my inspiration um, as a kid yeah. to fall in love with pastry
1: Well, I love that as you walk in here, you are greeted by this beautiful black and white picture, takes you back in time, but it's so befitting, this restaurant, and it's your grandma uh, with Grandma Jack on a motorbike.
0: Yeah, I mean, I grew up looking at that photo, just thinking it was the coolest photo, and I I wanted to have it in my house when I grew up, and I was hoping to get a copy of it. Little did I know that it would be hanging in our restaurant um, (laughs) 20-some years later, so...
1: Listen, let's talk about your journey together, Chef David, Chef Angela. You met in New York City, Eleven Madison Park. Tell me about those days working together.
2: Oh, So Angela loves when I tell a story. So I I came into Eleven Madison Park as uh, being a new hire sous chef, which was very uh, unique for uh, that restaurant. They had never hired a sous chef. Uh, All of the sous chefs had been, you know, quote-unquote, like, farm-raised. They all came from being cooks and then got – so I I came in totally – Unaware of what the culture was and what, where my place was sure and how, how was that for you uh, <laughs> uh, eye opening so <laughs> so uh, you know uh, needless to say, Angela was uh, much higher on the pecking order than I was at that time, and she definitely uh, let me know where I stood <laughs> there was a couple of times as and sometimes she likes to say she was joking but <laughs>
1: really Angela? T- take really, me back. I yet. really
0: was joking. So the new hire he didn't think it was very funny though. <laughs> yeah.
1: The new the new cook on the line uh, who was this kid who uh, That's showed what he up?
0: Said. Yeah. Who is this guy? It this,
1: this, this guy. guy. This, this with whippersnapper a,
0: with a goatee and a diamond <laughs> earring, and we're
1: like, "What?" Is Did you say
2: going goatee? On? Where's the goatee? Where's the diamond yeah. earring? That, that was a very different time. I've disposed of all those photos. Um, I know. So oh, I, I have one right yeah. here. <laughs> so I so I came into my stash with goatee and earrings, and by the day the time I started on my first day, the goatee and earrings were gone, never to be seen or heard from again. Uh, you know, and Angela and I. Uh, well, I think I just I was learning where I fit in a kitchen for uh, probably about the first six months or so, and then you know Angela was in charge of her pastry kitchen at that point, and she had already put in her a couple of years by the time I'd been there so uh, about six months later, she and I were um, tasked with doing a dinner at the James Beard house together. And essentially had to be in the kitchen by ourselves alone for about eight hours. And I got her finally to crack and and talk to me. And we wait, you talked to him? I had to so you know by the end of the day honestly we were fast friends um you know we kind of uh developed this like brotherly sisterly relationship where we you know ended up looking after each other and spending you know a great deal of time together and the plan was never to work together it was just you know just to be friends and (laughs) when you know i had moved back to uh california where i'm born and raised in uh, alameda boy Yeah, Bay Area, born and raised. Um, You know, super proud to be back. You know, my mom opened her office over on Fillmore and O'Farrell 30 years ago. She's been in this neighborhood. My mom can walk here from her office and from her apartment. And she's still still down the block? She's still down the block. She's a chiropractor at the Fillmore uh, Health Center. Perfect timing. i got a wicked kink right here. Best chiropractor in San Francisco, hands down, so you should go check her out. But she's only six blocks from here, so she's like the staff mother at this point. So... At that point, you know, Angela had moved to the Bay Area as well. And, you know, we would always kind of hang out and visit together. And she was working at Craftsman and Wolves at that time when we looked to to start putting the restaurant together. And, you know, once uh, our business partner, Matt, tasted her pastries, I think it was over by then. Because uh, both of us were like, how do we figure out how to do uh, business with Angela as well? And
1: for you, Angela, uh, a partnership with Chef David. Uh, Did you ever imagine if you wind the clock back a little bit uh, all those years ago and here you are now?
0: Yeah, I mean, I I think I'm sure we'd have never have thought that was ever going to happen, but um, we've been friends for a long time. We've continued to be very close friends after David left and I left a little Madison Park. And and I think timing was just perfect. I think we were both looking to do something of our own. Um, We realized each other's extremely talented and we get along well and that's really two of the most Done important deal. things. Done deal. It's um,
1: simple. We're going to we'll get up to speed and talk about Theorita. Kay I have to mention the week you opened was the last time I saw you guys together uh, at a fundraiser uh, and didn't someone also have a kid that week?
2: Yeah, our business partner Matt had a baby that week. We opened two restaurants this year and I'm having a child in January. Oh my word. So Congratulations. Thank you very much. Do I'm you know too- who the mother is? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes, I know. I know who. I know very much who she is. There's only one lovely lady named Samia, in San Francisco, and he's got a little shade um, of pink. Look at that. He's, yeah. he's, he's blushing a little bit. Oh my
0: God, she hears this. Yeah. I just want everybody to know. I'm not having any children. I'm just having a chicken. Yeah. a Winner, winner, chicken. We're, we're
1: going to get to that chicken. Uh, I want to say congratulations to you both because you open a restaurant in San Francisco just to get the doors open. That deserves congratulations. But. With it came critical praise, Uh, reservations, you know, the hottest in the city, if not in the country. I mean, that's got to feel pretty good. Talk me through your feelings of what you hoped it would be, and now knowing what it's become. Kefiko first.
2: So, Kefiko, what I hoped it would be was a popular neighborhood restaurant. Um, I wanted to be busy because, uh, you know, I, I... my, my journey to becoming a, a restaurant owner and a chef has been an interesting one. I, I worked in three Michelin star restaurants for my whole career and the day that I came to terms with the idea that I was happier cooking casual food than I was cooking fine dining food was... Was that a,
1: was that a light bulb moment or is it do you just do you just knew that that's that's where you were most happy most comfortable? Yeah. Or what you wanted to do when you opened a restaurant?
2: No, it, w- it was definitely something I fought with because I felt like, you know, it's, you know, the idea of working in the best restaurants in the world. And then there's almost a pride ego thing involved there to where you're like, okay, well, am I happiest opening a casual neighborhood restaurant that serves pasta and pizza and roast chicken dinners? Right. Yeah. Um And there was a process there. It wasn't just, like, one day. It was, I think, a couple of years. And I think it started when I stopped enjoying going out to tasting menu dinners. And I actually was comfortable saying to myself, like, I'm not enjoying this dinner that much. I wish it was over an hour and a half ago.
1: And you look at perhaps where you would go on your (laughs) nights off. Probably not for a fine dining dinner, right? Probably just a simple, easy hole in the wall, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, most of the time, we would, I would go to a place when we were in New York. Um, they just did uh, wood-fired pizzas, simple pastas, simple wood-fired meats. Um, they were really into the products, the local products. The service team was very knowledgeable. They had yeah. great wine, super friendly.
1: Uh, so, Que upstairs. And by the way, it is che I'm sure even I've made the mistake of, of saying like fico, like che Guevara or who else, yeah, I got that
2: wrong too. It's K, right? Correct, it is che meaning uh, literally translated to what a fig, and uh, I know that doesn't make any sense. But the slang translation when you're in Italy, if somebody says, oh, che it it means, oh, that's so cool, it's yeah. so awesome, it's like a term, of, a term of endearment.
1: What do Italians think, visiting Italians who've come? Have you had many?
2: Yeah, we've had a few. Um, You know, it it depends on what they order, right? So uh, the universal thing is like, oh, you put pineapple on pizza. I'm never going to order that. But if you can somehow sneakily get them to try it, uh, most all of the Italians that I've met have reluctantly said, this is really delicious. Because uh, how could you not? At the end of the day, it's really delicious ingredients. But it is not in any way a traditional pizza, and I don't claim that it is. Nothing about our pizza is traditional. But... On the other hand, if they have our del ragu, or if they have something that is a little bit more of a classical um, rendition, a straightforward rendition of something that we do, uh, m- for the most part, all of them are just, you know, they're they're very surprised w- at the level of care that we put into it, and 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 how traditional we go with the uh, with the with the process, with the ingredients, with the minimalization of the dish. Sure.
1: Um. Angela, for you, pastry, pies, that's your bailiwick, but doing it for yourself, you know, within these walls, how has this shifted and changed things for you as a chef?
0: Um, Or is it
1: bringing bringing your arsenal and your bag of tools that you had and just uh, reinterpreting for two different spaces right here, two different concepts?
0: I mean, I don't think it's reinterpreting. I think it's really getting back to the food itself, yeah. um, working in fine dining. I never as- really aspired to work in fine dining. It just kind of happened. I think David and I had very different paths when it comes to food. Yeah. Um, what I liked about working in fine dining was the creativity that, and the control or the allowance of creativity that you have. Yeah. And now that we own two restaurants, we have that allowance again, yeah. just on a
1: different level. If folks come here just for the pies... What are the must-haves you must order?
0: Must-order pie. In my, in my opinion, the classic apple. Um, you must get it warm with Alamode. We make our own ice creams yeah. as well in-house. Yeah. Yeah.
1: David, do you have a favorite pie? Yeah, I have a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> so uh great shape for a guy who eats a lot of pies <laughs> Look at this guy
2: yeah so and Ange- angela's pies are are stunning in a lot of different ways texturally they're beautiful and uh you know they balance they're co- they're constantly balanced you know they're not overly sweet the way she plays with with salt and other flavors uh whether it be booze or um or acidity are always really enjoyable for me so uh, the different ones that I, right now, I mean, tis the season, I'm a pumpkin pie guy, and the pumpkin pies that they're making here at The Arita are the best I've ever had. Um, I'll re- take two, please. Thank you. Exactly right. And then uh, there's, a, there's a passion fruit uh, pie, a little, like, sweetie pie that's on yeah. the menu, which is, like, acidic and bright and, like, kind of makes, you know, that that sound that your mouth does, like, when it pops from the, yeah. like, tanginess, and it's just one of the most delicious things. But... I agree with Angela. There are some of the classics here, whether it's like a berry pie with a crumble on top or whether it's the apple. And if you're going to do it, do it right. Get it warm. Get it warmed up and get it a la mode with the ice cream that we make here. And it is just, it's special.
1: You don't have to tell me twice. Uh, here's what I love about coming here. Uh, we're sitting uh, in the diner, uh, the dinette. Uh, and we were watching your, uh, your pastry team work their magic a little bit of uh, theater unfolding before us
0: yeah I, I mean that's the great part about growing up um, when I was a kid and in, in going to bakeries like you know the pastry team and the, and the pastry and the pies are kind of the backbone of this restaurant um, and I didn't want them to be hidden in the back Yeah, it's great entertainment watching uh, we're starting to get ready for Thanksgiving right now yeah, so yeah. it's
1: always fun watching other people work isn't it <laughs> uh, as we wrap up here Chef David we were in the kitchen together I watched you cooked <laughs> Win a win a chicken dinner.
2: Yeah, uh, you know this is our obviously our classic rendition of a, a roast chicken dinner, um, but done in this kind of Bay Area way, which you know it's seasonal and uh, utilizing local ingredients. Uh, very minimalistic, but it's as classic as you can get. It's a it's a roast chicken with a mash and a salad. You know.
1: Well, listen, it'd be naughty to sit here and not have a little taste. Come on, I'm not going to sit and eat alone. Let's dive in, uh, and. David, we were talking, you know, um, earlier about just the key thing. You know, folks listening, Thanksgiving is just around the corner. What are your, what are your, your cooking tips for, for Thanksgiving? What would you, I'm going to ask you the same question, Angela. What, what advice would you give to folks at home? Three important things as they prepare for their Thanksgiving meal.
2: So three tips that I would say is, number one, make a plan and write it down. It's always a lot easier if you make a plan and write it down as to what you're going to do. Uh, rem- uh, you know, the second tip that I would say is, remember, you don't have to do things all in one day. You know, Try and make life a little bit easier on yourself and break it down. And number three and the most important tip I could say is order a pie from Theorita for Thanksgiving.
1: Boom look at that what about you angela (laughs) yeah that is good right he's he's, he's, he's got a business head um i'm going to ask you to do the honors and cut three little pieces of chicken there for us so we can each have a taste what are your what are your tips for uh, having the perfect thanksgiving angela what would you say
0: the perfect thanksgiving um i would say don't stress out too much and make sure to have a good time because that's what's the most important with people you love
1: that's it, right?
0: I know. I ha- wow. You thought I was going to talk about cooking. No.
1: It's, it's about <laughs> hanging out with people you love. Uh, listen, to eat here at Theorita uh, is to enjoy seriously good food, cook from the heart, with soul, and a massive dollop of love. Uh, that said, I'm going in. It's on the menu as winner, winner, chicken dinner. I'm going to have a little bit of squash with it. It's my
0: favorite part. Here we go. With the chicken jus.
1: Oh, yeah. So oh.
0: good.
1: And let's get a little get bit of that jus. A of that
0: gravy, yeah.
1: Uh, chef, as I take a bite here, uh, tell, tell the folks at home about your jus. <laughs>
2: well, it is um, made from the uh, leftover bones from our chickens that we roast and, you know, slowly cook down a jus, and we finish our roast chicken with it and put it in the well of our uh, our roasted uh, pumpkin squash uh, mash. And it just accentuates the, uh, the roast chicken flavor. Not too bad. Huh? Died and just went to heaven.
1: Uh, last couple of things, chef. If uh, we're going to enjoy a good wine with this, what would you recommend?
2: So we have a really, really delicious small wine collection here. Uh, all of the stuff is really priced affordably. But uh, our wine director, Francesca Maniace uh, curates the whole thing. So I highly suggest getting some wine here. Um, what we have pairing with this roast chicken is the uh, Wabi Sabi Populous um, blended white wine from Mendocino County, um, and that's a blend of Sauvignon Blanc, Chardonnay, and French Colombard, and I think it's a perfect mix with this, our uh, pairing for this roast chicken. Well, let's see how it tastes, shall we? Cheers.
1: Here we go. A little taste of this stuff. Down in one.
2: mm
1: now, that is a gift from the gods, if ever there was. Thank you for the wine. Thank, thank you for the conversation. I cannot leave you without mentioning probably the most important thing that's happened to you both. Not one, but two saucy nominations. That's big. <laughs> he says tongue-in-cheek, I'm hosti- hosting the saucies, but I'm thrilled that you guys are up for a couple of awards. You've got to feel good, right?
0: It feels great, and to be in such great company with the yeah. other nominees. Yeah.
1: yeah, I mean, come on, the saucies. <laughs> I mean, above all others, this is the one, right?
2: Well, I know you say it uh, in jest, but I think it's cool in the sense that, you know, the Bay Area is starting to be considered the, um, you know, the dining, you know, center of the United States. Uh, We have more three Michelin star restaurants here than anywhere else. And as Angela said, to be mentioned in the same uh, class as everybody else is, is really special because we know, how competitive this market is and we don't necessarily look at it as a competition we look at it as an amazing community of people to pull from but like she said to be at the same place at the same time even if it's fun to be honest with you it doesn't matter if you win or not it's 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 a great community to be in well
1: we're spoiled to have such a great community of chefs uh you guys are always on the front lines when people uh, need you to show up for a charity dinner or a cause uh, thank you for that uh and Good things happen to good people, but great things happen to really good people. So I'm happy for you both, guys. Uh, Two great restaurants, Kefiko, Tiorita on Divisadero in San Francisco. To you both, happy Thanksgiving, because this will be Harry right before Thanksgiving. Uh, And uh, have fun at the the table. Make sure he doesn't burn the turkey.
0: David never burns the turkey.
1: More on Chef David's story and Chef Angela's story at kcbsradio.com and click on Foodie Chap.